0: Had um, a four-year-old in my room asking for things. Actually, this this particular morning, she she didn't ask for anything. On the good mornings, she she rolls up beside me, and she says, "Good morning, Daddy." And I say, "Morning, Georgie," and I just flick back the covers, and she just climbs on my chest and has another little sleep. And she's done that probably ever since she could. Ever since we took the wall off her cot when she was little, she's yeah. crawled out of bed come to the side of my bed and just crawled on top of me and now she's taught uh, the younger one to do it which is nice so <laughs> it's probably one of the most special parts of my day I started thinking about today because of something that she said um, uh, actually Georgie Georgie asks all the time about life and death it, it seems like a big topic or something that you know you should be wary talking about with your kids but kids are just 're they're, they're pretty literal, so um, we were at the beach, the latest one we were at the beach the other day, and there was a um, a starfish that washed up, and Mel says, "Oh, I think I think it's dead, Georgie and she's like, "Why did it have to die?" And you know w- she asks because she just wants an explanation. she knows the answer we We' always have told her, "Well, everything lives and dies, and we we've explained that to her, and you know there's been multiple times where um, she's taught our younger one that the food on her plate was once living. She thinks that that's fun as well, but I remember especially the time where we, we were eating dinner and there was it was chicken and um, the first time she realized that she was eating a chicken she was just incredulous like her jaw nearly hit the hit the table and and she brings it up all the time and so uh, life and death it seems like a big complex topic, but if a four year old can get their head around it, then I guess it's not and in fact, it's around us every day, you know like the plants the grass you know from the smallest ant that I squished the the kids were in the um, kitchen the other day because they like to pretend to wash the dishes at the sink so we let them get the whole kitchen messy and wet and uh, anyway I realised I'd put Georgie on top of a stool that had a a white tail on it Um, and we don't see them too often in fact we don't see too many bad spiders but if we see a white tail, sometimes it's just a little one. This was not a little one. This was a big one. And you could actually see the white spot, which was rare as well. Anyway, I had to, I had to kill it. And both girls just stood and watched. That's what they expect. Now Mercy, the little one, she's two. If there's, a, if there's an ant, she says, daddy spider, and runs and gets, a, gets me a tissue to, to, to kill the ant. But, um, but life and death, it's, it's just a constant cycle all around us from, I guess, from the smallest and to like even even the biggest star you know like they have a they have a life cycle and um so thinking about um yeah life and death today is what i wanted to talk about and i think um what's interesting is that um it's not it's not that complex you know we all live we all die you could put it in uncomplex terms but i think this idea of um spiritual life when the bible talks about life it doesn't talk about Um, physical life, it talks about a spiritual life and sometimes that can be confusing. But um, I think this idea of spiritual life is maybe a little more complex, a little harder to touch, a little harder to to reach. So I just wanted to explore that today. I hope that's something that you guys want to have a discussion about. So I think, you know, when I was younger, I think I decided that um, I didn't, I just decided that I wasn't afraid to die. Do you know what I mean? I could reason my way out of it. It's like I'm here now um, if I die one day and I think we all have to face it and come to terms with it especially when you're four and your parents teach you that yeah things die and and you know as a as a kid I decided that well you know if I die I think hopefully people will be sad because that's a good sign Um, but well you know I lived and then I died it's not that big a deal um, but I think as I got older, I realized that there was uh, this spiritual life was a bit more complex, a bit more harder to reach for, and I've realized that there's something in me that just wants to live. I think there's something in me that wants to live while I'm alive. Can you find that within yourself? Can you, can you reach for that? Can you touch that? Is that true? Does anyone not care about their life? I think, I think there's something in us that just, that just wants to live, and, and so we, we read the Bible and um, The Bible talks about life in an interesting way. It talks about it um, as this idea that uh, life is relationship. It's connection. I think we can find that within ourselves. We all want to be connected in some way. We all want to have deep, meaningful relationship. That's That's important to us all. But the Bible also describes death as something that is separation from God you know so we can look at an ant or a star and we can reason with ourselves and understand life and death in the physical but when we think about this life and death death of the spiritual death is not just not being here anymore death is being separated from a god who is described as life um so when when we're born we're not we're not born with this connection we're thanks to adam and eve we're we're born physically um but uh, if you remember the story of Adam and Eve in the garden God puts them in the garden and and says um, just one thing just don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and he says if you do that you'll die and I think you know you read that and you think okay well they'll die but um, Adam and Eve didn't physically die when they ate of the tree they were separated from God so that was symbolic and so um, you know we we're the same separation from God is spiritual death connection to God is spiritual life and so I guess that begs the question well how do we get this spiritual life how do I receive this let's read John 14 1 to 6 it says do not let your heart be troubled afraid cowardly believe confidently in God and trust in him have faith hold on to it rely on it rely on it keep going and believe also in me in my father's house there are many dwelling places if it were not so I would have told you because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and I'll take myself, take you to myself, excuse me, so that where I am, you may be also. And to the place where I'm going, you know the way. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the father, but through me. So in the Bible, Jesus said, he is the way, the truth and the life. He is the way to a father. He is the reflection of the father's heart. He holds the truth and he is the life. So why is Jesus the life? Well, um, you remember the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. Who convinced them to eat of the tree? tree. It was the snake. The snake convinces them. He says, no, 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 Um, you've got it all wrong. God's told you a lie. And he plants this seed of distrust toward God. And so the man and the woman, they eat the fruit and they become separated. And then, so God sets about uh, on a mission Um, and he sends Jesus. And Jesus is, his plan is to reverse this separation from him. So spiritual life is to be connected with God. We were born into a state that Adam and Eve um, were the first to fall from. We're born into this place where we're physically alive, but not spiritually alive. And so Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We receive life when we believe in Jesus. Um, And so Jesus has a plan to take us to the Father. And he has a plan to reunite us, that we would have um, a reunion with the Father. And it's interesting at the start of that verse, it says uh, that the scripture says, Do not let your heart be be troubled, afraid, cowardly, believe confidently in God and trust in him. It speaks directly to the lie that the snake implanted in the, in the minds of Adam and Eve. So knowing that there's something in me that just wants to live, I can go and search for this, um, I guess this ability to live in many places, but Jesus is the only way, the real truth and the real life and it was always God's plan despite me being born into this state it was always his plan and it was always his heart's desire that he would be close to me that he would be one with me let's read another scripture this is John 17 20 to 26 so this is um so this is this is when Jesus has lived his life this is when he has prepared his disciples for what will be this is when he's performed miracles and he's um you know he's been out and been tempted and he's he's you know Um, been doing this ministry for three years or so and he's he's not long away from his death and he knows that he's not long away from the cross and he's standing amongst his disciples the people that he's taught that he's had closest to him and this is what he prays for their benefit and it speaks directly to this idea of being reconnected reunited with God in fact it reveals God's overall plan so this is what it says it says I do not pray for these alone it is not for their sake Only that I make this request, but also for all those who will ever believe and trust in me through their message, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe without any doubt that you sent me. I have given to them the glory and honour which you have given me, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me that they may be perfected and completed into one so that the world may know without any doubt that you sent me and that you have loved them just as you have loved me. Father, I desire, and I I think I've, I'm going to continue, but I think I've read this previously in quite a monotone and I know that especially when I hold a mic and speak to you, sometimes I can speak in monotone, but I just, I don't think that's how Jesus was speaking. So I'll continue and maybe in your minds, you could maybe add a bit of um, whatever I'm not, giving whatever (laughs) well uh, maybe we'll see how this goes father I desire you know maybe even that he's on his knees like this is a a, um, this is a prayer of deep deep desire this is what Jesus desired most this is like the father's heart coming through he says father I desire that they also whom you have given me as your gift to me may be with me where I am so that they may see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Oh, just and righteous father, although the world has not known you and has never acknowledged you and the revelation of your mercy, yet I have always known you. And these believers know without any doubt that you sent me and I have made your name known to them and I'll continue to make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them overwhelming their heart and I may be in them. So Jesus is revealing his desire to be in us. You know, we we read the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, and we feel like we lost out, but we're not the only ones that lost out. It was always God's desire that he would be with us, deeply connected with us, that we would have spiritual life. And so I think about um, God's desire for us to to be with him. And I think about the difference between being physically connected and spiritually connected. Even, even you know, my daughter crawling into bed to climb on top of me to have a, a cuddle for You know, as long as she can, until she decides that she wants, you know, some toast or something. I think about how that works, and I think, well, we're we're different people. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's only she can only get so close, and she's got as close as she can get. Do you know what I mean? But the spirit is not limited by the physical, right? The spirit doesn't work the same. The spirit is actually reliant on connection to sustain life. This is this is the idea of spiritual life. It's like a um. Jesus describes it as a, a as a branch joined to a tree we, if the branch is cut off it no longer has life well we're the same spiritually we were designed to be connected to a father deeply spiritually and if we are separated and removed from him we no longer have life in fact it was always his plan that we would be with him it is a natural state that we exist in physically, but it is less natural that we would not be connected to the Father spiritually. In fact, if we are not connected to him spiritually, we are described as dead. Um, yeah, I just, I just had a point here that I, I I started to think about how that works and um, I, st- I, I I like the word saved, like I know it's not an uncommon word, but if I was born physically alive here, And as I had described to my daughters, that my life would start and end. If it's true that I become physically alive, that my spirit wakes up with connection to the Father, then I'm saved. I am saved for eternity because I become connected to the one who is eternal. So I become eternal, one with him. I become um, more deeply connected than this physical separation can allow me. In, in any moment of this life um, I just want to read another scripture this is 2 Corinthians 4 16 to 18 so so basically what I'm saying is God is eternal when we're deeply connected with him spiritually alive we we are eternal also so it says therefore we do not become discouraged spiritless disappointed or afraid though our outer self is progressively wasting away yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day day by day for our momentary light distress this passing trouble is producing for us an eternal weight is producing for us an eternal weight of glory a fullness beyond all measure surpassing all comparisons a transcendent splendor and endless blessedness so We look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. For the things which are visible are temporal, just brief and fleeting. But the things which are invisible are everlasting and imperishable. So this is our outer life. You're looking at it. It's passing away. It's not eternal, it's perishable. But we're saved from being perishable. God's plan was always that we would be one with him, We were born into this physical life disconnected because of the lie that we have believed. And we lived with troubled hearts, not believing that we can trust in a God. But when Jesus came, he said, no, don't believe that lie. Don't believe what the snake said. Believe what I say about the father. And he brings us to the father and he shows us in his likeness, the father. And we get to make a choice. We get to decide whether it's true that we can trust God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. It was Jesus' plan to make a way. His name is Jesus and he is life and we can have life everlasting. So it's our choice, you know, we get free will. I think, um, I think the world would um, offer us their truth of the snake you can't trust God, but our hearts would remain troubled. That's what the scripture says. And Jesus came and he said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So how do we know that we can trust God? Because we can say it, it's kind of that reasoning thing again. You know, like i reasoned my way through the idea that yeah, oh, if I die, it's okay. Well I, can, well, I can say that I can trust God, but, you know, this spiritual life is a little harder to touch. And so how in my heart do I come to believe that it's true that I can trust God in order that my heart might not be troubled, that I might have peace knowing that I'll live everlasting, knowing that it's true that God made a way and his name is Jesus and that I can trust what he said about the Father. How do I know that that's true? I wanna, I wanna read it again, this is John 14 again, but um, I wanna go a little bit further uh, because one of Jesus' disciples asked the same question. So this is John 14, six to nine. So this is the part that we've just heard, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the father, but through me. If you had really known me, you would also have known my father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. And this was a little confusing to the disciples. So Philip pipes up. This is what he says. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and then we'll be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you for so long a time and you do not know me yet, Philip, nor recognise clearly who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And Jesus knows he knows that they've misunderstood it, but he's leaving a little bit of room for it to sink in. He's allowing them to think through it a little bit because it was always his greatest desire that Philip would be with him. But what Philip hasn't cottoned onto yet is the way that this spiritual life works, that he is the father because he is with the father, because he is one with the father. And so he says, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. And so the way that we know that um, we can trust God is because of Jesus because we have seen the son, therefore we have seen the father. It's pretty hard to read through the gospel and suggest that Jesus was an untrustworthy character. He made a way to be with you. It was his greatest desire. Frankly, at great personal cost to him and to God who gave a son and a son who gave a life. And so we've been rescued from death we were born into this life physically alive not yet spiritually alive Jesus came at God's instruction he is the way because God wanted to be one with you that was always his plan he wants nothing else and there is something in us all that just wants to live but sometimes it's a little harder to touch and to figure out what it was and you heard Philip grappling with it can we really trust you? Can we really trust God? They'd seen Jesus. They knew that he was good. Think of all the miracles they performed. Think of all the people's lives that were healed. Think of all the good things he did while he was around. I think, I think by that point, I think a lot of the disciples were on board. They had given up a lot themselves to follow Jesus. I think that much is true. I heard someone say the other day, you know, I never had a problem with Jesus, but have a, have a real problem with God. Jesus said he was one with the father if you've seen the father you've seen me so Jesus is an example of the father's heart toward you his heart is that he always wanted you he always wanted to be with me that's great news that was always his plan and at great personal cost he sent a son to die a horrible death and when he died a death he overcame sin he overcame death and the death that he died had a purpose because he was resurrected and that resurrection life now lives in you and me. And it's by this spirit inside of you and me that we are connected to the Father. We are returned to the place in the garden. We're returned to this place where we can see the Father because we are with him. We're saved. Um I got as i was I, I sort of was flicking through some um bible verses and i sort of uh i I sort of really enjoyed um finding my way through some stories in the bible um and one thing that kept coming up um was this idea of um a veil uh especially in the Old testament and um it refers to this old agreement that God had with um Abraham and um that that story in the old testament um God makes an agreement in the way that they make an agreement or did make an agreement in old Jewish custom customs. They didn't have, um, you know, the internet with um, digital papers that they could sign. It, like no one could send someone a docu sign, and they could whip out their iPad with their pen and, and write something down. They had their own customs and it would sound strange to us, but one of their customs was that if there was a significant agreement that they wanted to make between each other, that they would um, kill an animal or a couple of animals, lay the animals on each side of a path and they'll walk through the middle and that would symbolize an agreement um and I started reading about this I found I found it pretty interesting because um there's a story of when um Abraham did that in the Bible but he didn't do it with another man he um he was put into a sleep or a trance and God showed uh this agreement um with him that God walked through the middle of um, like this sacrifice that he'd asked Abraham to make with these animals. And um, it's significant because uh, in that time in the Jewish culture, when they were performing um, this kind of uh, agreement, there were, there were two types of agreement that they could make. It was uh, the type where one person would walk through and all responsibility of the agreement um, was placed on that one person and it was unconditional. It was not conditional on the other person having to do anything you're making an agreement the responsibility of the agreement falls on one person and it's unconditional regardless of any action that the other person takes the responsibility of the agreement is on one person and then the second one was uh, more of a bilateral agreement where two people walked through and um, the agreement was conditional that both kept their word but um, it was interesting that at the time where Abraham makes this sacrifice and lays the animals on each side God then puts him into a sleep, and so he doesn't walk through. Only God walks through in this vision, in this trance. And so Abraham doesn't have to do anything. But the purpose of their agreement was that God had made him a promise that he would, <coughs> excuse me, he would be the father of many nations, that whoever would have a son in old age, and that he would have land and he would be prosperous and they would have um, descendants as many as the stars in the sky that's what the Bible says and um, there was no conditions on this for Abraham but previously it says it talks about Abraham's faith that he believed and it was on the back of Abraham having faith and believing that he received this unconditional agreement and offer from God And we have the same decision to make we see that we were made to be connected spiritually to god in oneness that was ruined our human nature does that god sent his son the way the truth and the life he made a way the agreement that he made with us in the new testament the new uh, sorry the new covenant is unconditional It's his love that is unconditional. We can reach for it whenever we like. There's no condition on us other than to believe him. I want to flick back to the start. Do not let your heart be troubled, afraid, cowardly. Believe confidently in God and trust in him. That's what Jesus asked of us, just that we would believe and then that we would receive It was always his plan because there's something in us that just wants to live while we're alive. There's something in me that wants to live. I can reason my way out of death physically, but there's something in me that desires life and it's offered to me unconditionally. I think that's pretty good news. A a story came to mind as I read that. It was, um, you know, I really think movie writers, uh, sometimes the people that understand the depths of the human soul, the best and probably have read the Bible I would say the best ones Um, there's a show that Mel and I have been watching um, and I won't tell you what it is but um, there's a character in the show and uh, he he um, is in love with um, with this woman who has lived a traumatic life and she has uh, some emotional problems to say the least and she does some messed up stuff and she did some messed up stuff to him and it shows flashbacks of of what she did to him. And um, anyway, he he just thinks it's fantastic when she decides that she eventually after living this life wants to be married to him. And um, they start talking about um, how they would be married and she doesn't want a traditional marriage. She doesn't want a marriage actually that makes sense at all. Um, she wants a marriage in a strange place with strange people. Uh, she's wearing some strange things. Uh, she's, by all accounts, you would say this is a strange individual wanting strange things for their life. And his response to her. And I, I, I couldn't figure out why, why I thought his response to her was significant at the time. I didn't really think about it until I, until I started reading through the Bible about you know the contract that God was making with Abraham. But his response to her. I I just think was fantastic. He said, he just said, whatever you want, darling. As long as I'm with you. Sorry, I'm a sympathetic crier. (laughs) Get emotional. It It was an unconditional statement. We're human, he's human. But it was this unconditional statement of love that it didn't matter what she did. As long as she believed that she wanted to be with him, he was happy. I think God just feels the same about us. It feels the same about you. Marriage is a decision, it requires two people. Oneness is a decision, it requires a relationship. And although we are separated physically, that's not how spiritual relationship works. It's not how life and death is described in the Bible. When we accept this idea of oneness and relationship, that there is a God who created us physically, but there is more, even though it feels hard to reach to sometimes. We discover a God who we can trust because his response is unconditional. Whatever you want. As long as I'm with you. Mm. All right, I might leave it there. Otherwise, I will cry. I'm glad I have this post. <laughs> if I really go for it, I might give it a hug. All right, we're gonna have we're gonna have a chat. So let's break into some groups. There's a few of us here today, maybe three or four groups. I know where that lands you—five or six people in a group. So it'd be great to it'd be great to hear you guys your thoughts on a topic I'm one man with one perception but maybe let's um yeah let's hear what we got out of it today what are we feeling what are we getting from it i think i think namely i i feel like there is this this um although although there's an unconditional agreement that we can have life everlasting i feel like this decision to trust god is sort of at the center of what um, this is about you know Jesus came to make a way his way is unconditional he came to reverse the curse you know that we have been separated that we would be a branch without a vine but this marriage is a it's a consideration for both parties so how do we how do we feel about the father are our hearts troubled do we feel like he is one that we can trust Do we see the life of the son as one with the father or do we see him as someone different, someone untrustworthy? Have we been convinced by what this world would say, by something similar to what the snake would say in the garden? Or have we been convinced by the way, by the one who not only physically died and practically made a way, but by the one who reflected the heart of the father? It'd be great to hear from you guys what you think on that. All right, let's break.